Kristen Whisper Sonnets. Today I'm going to be reading you some stripper poetry <laughs> from um, It's a Little Dark, actually. Um, I wrote some poems in the past couple of weeks that are, um, you know, it's just weird. You know, I mean, I guess your brain gets into a certain place. I definitely watched the movie Promising Young Woman, and, you know, um, I think that has put me in back into a a state of my mind where I'm remembering the darker side of some of my experiences, you know, and even in stripping. And I had never written about one of them that I wrote in Punk Noir this week about a birthday situation. Like, um, I had my birthday at the strip club, and that was always a big deal because, um, like, any kind of, if it was a male customer, we would put them on the stage and, you know dance for them and kind of, you know, like mess up their hair. It was a, um, you know, little thing we did, like a roll call, what they call it, and like birthday roll call. And the man, you know, friends would like pay to put him up on the stage and have all the girls dance for him. And, you know, they, uh, girls were kind of, you know, rough, you know, it was like, <laughs> you know, a little bit. And I think, um, so the girls also started doing a kind of a version of that to each other on their birthdays. And, in the strip club not everyone obviously because not everyone drank but most people did and it was part of our job and how we made money um I would um you know be pretty <laughs> drunk up there you know and so on your birthday when everybody's buying you alcohol um you know <laughs> even more so you know you're even even more so drunk so um I you know I was kind of out of it and I this one birthday they pulled me up and one thing you should know for this story that I should have told back at the beginning is that I always did this job in every night, you know, the whole time I worked there, except for what I'm about to tell you, which wasn't my, I didn't consent to, you know, um, I did it with my hair in braids or pigtails, never down, you know, always with socks of some kind, you know, I had a lot of rules about how I did it and, um, you know, kind of a persona costume that I felt comfortable doing it in. Well, on this birthday, I think these girls, because they were so used to, everyone was so used to me being in a certain way, and they thought it would be fun for the customers to see me in a different way, and, you know, they're drinking too, and everything else, they um, ripped me out of my um, schoolgirl outfit, and, um, which I never took off the skirt either, like, it was a very, very tiny, people would joke that it was like a belt more than a skirt, because it didn't even cover my whole bottom, you know, so, you know what I mean, it was like, um, in any it, but it was like a little plaid and they um pulled my braids out of my hair and uh I was just up there like as myself you know and very exposed you know I didn't have socks um, I'm just literally in a g-string with my like long hair ripped you know out of my braids and and I felt for the first time really like naked there in a not good way at all and I was like sure like never will let this happen again, you know, and, um, but I didn't, I've never written about that experience, and so, until this week, and I wrote a poem called, let me find it on my phone, I write, by the way, I write all my poems, a lot of them on my, 
notes app, you know, in, in my iPhone. Um, I have like one of those bigger phones and that's what I just do, you know, because you can do it anywhere, you know, and I, um, I'm always like, you know, writing a little line of something or going back, you know, I just can carry it with me everywhere. So anyway, here is on stripping, being stripped. Once upon a birthday, they unbraid your hair. Co-worker strippers push you in a chair. Undulate in a U on stage around you so the customers see when they unbutton your Oxford, pull Velcro brusquely, ripping away socks, mini plaid skirt. To lose control in the peep show unquestionably hurts. Like a virgin CD, and this is the first and last time you will disrobe a facade you didn't design. The braids, knee socks, skirt you never will, will peel reveal consenting parts you have defined. The night you learn in a chair while tears drip, the difference in stripping and being stripped. And, you know, truly it was like I was being stripped of my consent that night. That is, you know, was an example of, you know, people, I think, you know, have these, you know, negative views of strip clubs and not to say that, that obviously things can happen. But I think that um, the people who are able to, like, navigate that world, you, like, figure out, you know, how to do it in a way that works for you. And in this case, and you, but you have to be very um, strong about like maintaining those boundaries. This is an example that, you know, I let my guard down some and it got taken too far. And there aren't a lot of examples like that because I feel like I was pretty good at like, you know, keeping things the way I needed to do them, you know, because I just, it's too hard of a, a job to, um, for me to do it like where I didn't have control, you know? So, I mean, although the, this podcast episode is going to talk about a few of those experiences, well, I'm going to talk about the next poem that I'm going to read isn't going to be so dark. It's, I mean, it's a little bit about my past and how like through a movie and everything that there's, um, you know, reasons, backstories for customers coming in just like strippers, but, um, but it's not as dark about consent, you know, but, um, but it is about control and I'll get to that one in a second, but, um, you know, it's, um, that one's called Auto Exotica, like the name of this episode, because it's about, um, one of my favorite movies by, um, Adam McGoyan, which is called Exotica. And, um, people used to, um, you know, tell me like, oh, you know, you, um, remind me of this girl in this movie and I can't what is the name of that movie they couldn't you know that kind of thing and they would say and it was so flattering because I mean she's a gorgeous girl Mia Kirshner I'm not you know like anything like that but you know she was a schoolgirl stripper in a strip club and she had a repeat customer who was a um you know like kind of a somebody from her past that she had known in another context and I hopefully I mean this movie is from like 1992 so I hope it's okay if you don't want to hear spoilers about the movie I won't go on too much about it but you know like I'm just trying to like give you a little setup but anyway apparently the the um 
you know, he has a reason that he comes in to see the same girl just the same way, um, and they're kind of acting out a thing that they played with in a way like where he, she used to babysit for his child who went missing, and his daughter, a schoolgirl, and, um, and she had problems in her home, and he would, um, you know, they would talk about them on the way home and stuff like that, and it's like, in a way, he's reliving this ritual, coming back in to the club, and experiencing, you know, spending time with her in this context, and I felt definitely when I was, um, at the club just that way, that there were people who came, you know, to be with you because, um, had nothing to do with you necessarily, but, like, what that, like, an, you were an effigy of something, you know, that they need to deal with, you know, in some way, and, I mean, that could have been, there was, you know, all kinds of things, stories that I heard, and weird, you know, vibes I felt from people, and then also just very, almost like I was a therapist at times for people, um, that though, you know, um, you know, I'm not a therapist in any way, and I wouldn't, you know, whatever, but I, I do feel like there are men who, just like they say, um, go to, like, you know, a prostitute for, to talk, because, you know, they don't feel, um, socially acceptable, that it's, that's right, you know, or okay for them to go and talk to a therapist, but they, can, they feel like, oh, telling their co-workers or whatever, I go to the strip club, they look, you know, like it's a bravado kind of thing, you know, mask, macho, you know, kind of thing that they fit in, but what people don't know is, like, they're not really using it that way, they're, and, and I definitely had customers like this that just came in to talk about their problems, and they wanted you to just sit there and listen, you know, and um, I think they were using it in that sense of, like, you know, an unconventional sort of, you know, way to get things off their chest, you know, and, and leave, you know, with like a stranger that you can like kind of pay to sit there and, and also, but not, they didn't feel the stigma, even though it shouldn't be a stigma, but they, for whatever reason, maybe felt, felt that. And so anyway, I'm going to read, um, the next sonnet, which is called Auto Exotica. And it is after um, Exotica by Adam McGoyan. What was that movie? Some patrons will say. Brunette, schoolgirl, a grieving father will pay. Strip club each night to always portray. Innocence both had taken away. Skill employed. All of your life, inside these clubs and your afterlife, you entertain men who have lost someone like you, injured, loved, become an effigy too, all human emotions directed at girls, naked places are safest for you in this world, plaid costumes are as essential, sacred to you as they are to them, your childhood blurs Businessmen in neon, scalloped footlights. You will prove daddy can't touch you tonight. And, um, you know, like in that movie, there's a whole um, little arc of that story. And again, just if you, if you don't want to know, just, you know, fast forward <laughs> through here. But, um, you know, where there's this thing about touching. I mean, I'm not going to tell you what happens, but, you know, um, 
where um, they, they play around with the idea of consent in the strip club too and, and like men not being able to touch and the idea of temptation and all of that stuff and the, the very like rigid um, structure of you know behavior in a strip club and so um, you know things happen and um, it really like highlights how important this place is to both and these interactions are to both the dancer and the customer like he's playing a role to her too it's um you know they don't tell you what her she's got a darkness in her past with her family and it's not explained if you're not familiar with Adam McGoyan movies it's there you know um he it's not they're not overly you know dialogue driven I mean I you know like not everything is overly explained but it's um you know they do say something about you know you can tell, you know, she's had problems at home, and when she was younger, we don't know what that is, but you get, I read from maybe just looking from my background that, you know, she has major daddy issues, and, you know, she gets a fulfillment from this man coming in and playing this role to her, too, because he was a good person to her, and it's like she feels safe with him, and she likes that, so, you know, um, and I definitely, when I was there, felt, um, you know, I got things out of it other than money, too, you know, um, that, you know, that's why I did it in the way that I did, and I wanted attention in the way that I got it, you know, <laughs> so, um, anyway, um, I'm gonna read you a longer piece, it's not a sonnet, that's from my book, Candy Cigarette, Woman Child Noir, Oh, um, which you can read this book at, um, or buy a copy of this book at my website, uh, kristengarth.com, and then just go to the book section. But um, also, I was going to tell you that Auto Exotica is a Patreon poem, and if you want to follow me on Patreon and read about my different, um, you know, like I write a poem every day there and, you know, show things I'm working on and stuff like that. And also, um, there's like a $1 tier where you can just read the poems every day. So for $1, you basically get to read 30 poems, you know, for a month. And then um, there's like a $5 tier where you get writing prompts as well, which every day I put up a writing prompt. So it just depends on like, you know, what you want to do. But, um, or nothing at all. But I just wanted to let you know that I have that way. If you're enjoying my podcast and you want to give a poet a little support, you can follow me on there. But now I'm going to read from Candy Cigarette, Woman Child Noir. And I'm going to read one of the prose poems that I wrote for this book, which is longer. And I used these as um, like chapter headers because it's a poetry book, but they're all sonnets inside, and sonnets are short. So it was nice to have these like little um, longer um, places where I could tell a story, more words. And so I kind of came up with the idea of, you know, dividing the book up into sections that, you know, of the poems, and then writing this prose poem that explained that section in a, in a more of a story form. And so, but rhyming, <laughs> rhyming, of course, because I love rhyme. So, this one is called Femme Fatale. Oh, I'm going to turn this light on because it's starting to get dark here, actually. It was nice and bright when I started, but even in the short time, it just changed. So, here is Femme Fatale. Like any juvenile, you suck at self-denial. 
subsist a while, five years, on blow pops, pretzels, cocktail olives, and champagne, private dicks, and public naked pain, courtesan, well-trained. You stalk them, a hustler, hunter, baiting prey, inside a windowless cage, neon spectacles shaped like the organ that beats in you filled with all the requisite shame and rage. These sugar daddies used, reduced to nothing more than a living wage. The way you see them more and more, not even people the way you did at times before. It's easier for you to push it down, the feeling part, a heart swallowed quickly, Drowned like the now essential beginning of shift lemon drop shot. The sting so hot you chase with sugar and a coke. The dirtiness, perhaps not erased, but cloaked the way your skin is not. And then one day some prey who figures out he isn't ever going to get that blowjob or a three-way or a girl show for which he's perpetually pulling money from some reptilian wallet offering to pay grabs hard tops of your two arms and shakes until your teeth clang against each other you bit your lip as bouncers wrestle him efficiently away he's made an irreparable rip and your favorite crocheted sweater you bought in the girls department of a target fits a 10 to 12 year old and you're 30. a winter purchase and now it's summer but perpetually fall and frigid inside a place where erect nipples equal cash Irre irreplaceable and it's trashed your lucky sweater you wear in a year the shape of your breast pulled yarn so darn seductive the way it matches exactly the shade of your skin fascinates so many men but never again you ask when does this stop when you're 30 like you once said or when you're a pasture prime pigtailed joke who's broke or dead when you must trade your amateur status for a professional beggar in somebody's bed do you have another year to find the perfect lucky crocheted sweater and mold its cream colored pieces to hug the shape of your chest or is it time to resign and let it fall the way he does pushed by an ex-college linebacker out of front door you don't want this anymore not one more day you let it fall because you know at heart you are a femme fatale. A woman child is always young enough to learn to live another way. And yeah, that was the a very, um, it was hard to write about that poem. I just knocked over some lipstick, sorry. Um, it was hard to write about that poem when I first did it for this book. Um, it was probably the hardest thing that I wrote because I hadn't really talked about that day, but, um, it was very scary because, you know, like there is this undercurrent of like male rage, you know, in a strip club that you feel at times and it's like controlled because, you know, they know they're going to get kicked out or whatever if they, you know, make a scene or, you know, do something crazy. But sometimes, you know, 
like male rage is, it, it can be, or any rage, but you know, in this case, male rage, um, it can be nonsensical or like non-logical and, you know, like, it's like, if I'm going to get kicked out, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to enjoy it, you know, although the, this man, he, he, I think, I don't know if he, I mean, one, he was very drunk and two, he was somebody that spent a lot of money in that club and perhaps he thought, you know, he wouldn't be kicked out, which he was, but, um, you know, who knows, like if it lasted, cause I, that this is a poem about my last day stripping because it was like, I had was starting to get to a point I had told myself when I was 30, not going to be here. I'm not going to do this because I made, you know, again, making these rules and like what felt comfortable to me. And I didn't knew I would not feel comfortable when I could, when I wasn't wearing braids and dressing like a schoolgirl. but I didn't want it to be a joke. You know, I don't want to start being up there and people like making fun of me like, Oh, you know, there's the wrinkly schoolgirl, you know, or, um, you know, I mean, like, men are not, you know, kind at those places, so, you know, I mean, like, I didn't, even if you, um, like, were pulling it off in your mind, you know what I'm saying, and maybe pulling it off in reality, men will, like, they're find things, you know, it's like they can tell what you feel vulnerable about, and they would, um, you know, attack that, because they would want to, like, in a, you know, ways they couldn't get in trouble, you know, just saying some comment, you know, they weren't going to get kicked out for that. So like, you know, trying to make you feel, you know, because you have a one up on them because they're having to pay you money. So they want to, you know, put you in your place. So I didn't want this become a joke or, you know, something because I was vulnerable about it. And I knew I would feel really, really like, you know, awful and, um, if that happened. So I had told myself when I started, I was 25 and you know, that you can do this until you're 30 because I would see women who did it older and they would, they would even, and nobody was doing it like a, a schoolgirl, but you know, just doing it in general, you know, you, you would see these women that like, they would have to put up with a lot of, um, I mean, they would, their bodies were like in better shape than mine were at the time. You know what I'm saying? They, they, you know, we're doing everything, you know, like to be, you know, fit in and, and, you know, have their place there, but it's like men can just tell and they would, you know, harass them. And it was so horrible. And I knew like they, a lot of these women were very like, would just blow them off and they were, had this wall. And I guess, you know, that's how, that was their boundary that they learned to make, but I didn't have that. And so I was very scared, you know, um, and I didn't want to, I knew I couldn't handle it. I personally would not be able to handle it. So it was like, you know, I had made this rule about 30, but then when 30 came, I was making, I was like the highest earner at my club. I was making very great money. I was, you know, but you know, then things do, you know, and it's hard to say, okay, now what am I going to figure out to do with my life now? You know, I mean, like I'm going to start something, make less money, you know, and you know, you kind of play a little mental games with yourself and like, well, maybe I could wait till I was 30. You know, I said 30, but like, I'm not 31 yet, you know, and you kind of play these little games, like I'll, I'll stop then. And, but you know, then also, you know, it had been a long time that I had been doing that job and a lot of things had happened. I'd had my house had been burned down like by an arson that was never solved that, I, you know, could have been, you know, a customer from there. I, I had a stalker at one point. I had to go have a trial about, you know, um, you know, that a lot of things had happened to me that were 
I've never even written about the stalker, but, um, you know, I, like that were hard and, you know, just it, the, the one, you know, how often in life, the one thing that pushes you over the edge where you're like, I can't do this anymore is not, is maybe much smaller than things that you like continued on with, you know, but at the time that I decided, you know, I needed to get out and stop doing this anymore, you know, it was this incident with this man who, you know, just lost his mind, and at the time, like, you know, grabbed me and just shook me, you know, he was always, a, you know, he was somebody big in the community, so he was, had a lot of money, and he would always pay me, and then always, the whole time, his whole game was trying to convince you to go do something out of the club, which I was never going to do, but, like, I think he just, you know, he, if you would say no, you know, like, many men about many things, he wanted to, like, negotiate, you know, and so he would, you know, keep giving you money, trying to talk to you, like, whatever, and so, yes, I kind of played that little game with him, and I think it frustrated him to the point that day that, um, you know, he was like, um, this is it, you know, and just grabbed me so hard and shook me so hard, my teeth rattled, and, and grabbing me, I had my, I wore this, um, sweater that I got out of my stripper clothes at Target, and, the, I still buy, um, kids clothes at Target, but, um, th I bought a lot of things there that were, like, <laughs> for a younger girl, because they would be, like, crop tops, you know, and so, um, and this sweater, it would zip up, but it, you know, just fit exactly perfect, you know, like, just, it only came to right under my boobs, so it was a, um, you know, like, favorite thing that always made a lot of money, it matched my little squirrel girl sweater, um, I mean, skirt, perfect, and I had little bows that matched, and, you know, it was just your, like, money-making outfit, like, you know, you knew, like, you walk in, and you saw, like, they're like, oh, there's black cards all at this bar, I'm running back to put that on because guaranteed, you know, you'd walk out, you know, come sit with us, you know what I'm saying? So, like, it was my confidence outfit, and he ripped it, you know, like, totally in pulling, you know, and it just killed me, you know, at the time it was just like, plus at the time it was so scary because you're not used to somebody who's a regular doing something like that, and you just don't know what's going to happen next. Yes, the bouncer was really fast and got over there, but it's like, you know, you know, like, what, what could happen between, you know, right now and when somebody comes to stop him, you know, and you're already, you know, it just really was like a very scary feeling, and I decided then I would not go back, and I had been, um, at the time, I had started to, um, go to school for court reporting because, um, you know, and I was trying to do both things and that was the other hard part about it, you know, because I was trying to, um, it's just not an easy job to go there and drink all night and then get up and go to school. So I finally just said, I've got to just commit to going to school and just leave here. And I never went back after that night. So anyway, um, that was because, you know, I felt, you know, it's importance of consent again and feeling like, you know, you're safe and I didn't anymore. So, um, anyway, <laughs> this was a, a good episode. I feel like, you know, um, just talking about, and I think, you know, one thing that I like telling these stories is that maybe it helps people like, you know, when they go, cause I mean, like I like going, just, I haven't been to a strip club in a very long time, but I like the art of it, the fun of it, you know, the, um, just the whole theatricality of it, but you know, and like, and the sexiness, but I haven't, but 
you know, like, from working there, I, I know, like, you know, you kind of understand, like, how um, you should behave, you know, if you want to make people feel comfortable and respected at the same time. So I hope, you know, in doing these podcasts, like, maybe it, if you haven't, you know, it kind of gives you a little mind's eye into, um, like, what the stripper might be thinking, you know. So anyway, thank you so much for listening. And I really enjoy doing these podcasts and telling you guys stories and whispering sonnets to you. And I will see you next week on Kristen Whisper Sonnets. And I have no idea yet what that episode will be, but it always reveals itself in the best of ways. And I, I've really enjoyed the chance to like kind of um, contemplate like work I've been doing and put it all together with the theme and sharing it with you. So good night, everybody. It's getting dark here. So cuddle up with something. And I will see you next week on Kristen Whispers Sonnets.